0: Now, most cultures and most people ask questions about the origins of all that is now that we see and experience, such as, has everything always been here? There are people that think that. Or was there a beginning? And if there was a beginning, Did everything happen all at once, or was there a certain order of things coming into being? And in addition to this, most people have experiences and encounters with something that is beyond the material. What we can experience with our five senses. Is this just emotions or might there be something that is spiritual? Now, some people have heard about what has been called (coughs) creation myths ever since the enlightenment came along and just poo-pooed everything that could not be tested, experienced, measured, um, or seen with the human eyes. And in these myths, various gods each did their part in creating the world as we know it. And there was a lot of similarity among the differences. But none of these gods were omnipotent or omniscient. And so, therefore, as they created, they had many struggles and were almost overwhelmed by what they were creating. And their greatest efforts came as they tried to subdue a primordial sea that was characterized by... Chaos, both from storms and other things and was filled with all kinds of sea monsters to be overcome. And I read a book this summer with two whole chapters describing all of this. This was how people thought in the ancient world and some people even today. But in the last three centuries, starting late in the 19th centuries, scientists have discovered that without a doubt there was a moment of creation from nothingness, when all the molecules of the universe instantly came into being. And then over time these were formed into what we can see and observe now. There was a time when all of our planet was under water, but then land emerged and the sea became distinct. Fresh water emerged on the land, and the water cycle began. Then various animal species emerged from the sea, the air, and the land, and finally people came into being. These can all be figured out by formulas and observation. This is what happened. Now, I'm going to add something in here. I had a friend at work who was watching Stephen Hawking on PBS in the 80s, and he says, I know exactly what happened, but it's way beyond me why it happened. Well, We know, Scripture tells us, this is the order of events the true God revealed to Moses on Mount Sinai. And we heard portions of it read this morning in what we call Genesis 1 and 2. Moreover, if you go to the prophets, the wisdom books, and the Psalms of Scripture... God gave us more details about creation, and I'll explore some of those. And now just 2,000 years ago, the word who created all that there is came to the world that he created as a human being, John 1, and we heard the beginning of that long introduction to Jesus. And he revealed more about God's creation. We call it the Gospels. That's what he did on earth. But then the New Testament, the letters written to people who believed in him, and finally he revealed himself to John in the last book of scripture. So now, let us look closer at our text from both Genesis and the Gospel of John. So first of all, Genesis, we can just sum it up this way. God created everything By his word. And I don't know if we're so used to it, that's just words to you. But if we really think about it, it is amazing. So in the first paragraph that we had read to us, from the confusion of the land and the darkness of the deep waters, God spoke and he brought order so let's look at it verse by verse. In beginning, created God the heavens and the earth. People, the one true God, there's all kinds of false gods, the one true God initiated creation as something new. There's a unique word for create in Scripture only used of God. Okay? Only God creates this way, something out of nothing. Humans create and we have creativity, but it always shapes something out of what already exists. God, on the other hand, creates out of his sovereignty and absolute power, while our human creation depends on him and what he has created. That's very important. Continuing on in the next verse, and this is a heavy verse, and there's been many books written about this verse. And the earth was confusion and empty, and darkness upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering upon the face of the waters. So now we're introduced to the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, He is of God and distinct from God. And we're told the spirit is hovering over the waters. And now we have an example again of Hebrew poetry with repetition and variety, okay? After describing the earth, notice the similarities and differences upon the face of first darkness, upon the face of the deep. Second, the spirit of God, upon the face of the waters. So remember, at this time, although they're talking about the waters, the earth is formless and void. And this would also suggest that the waters that are parallel to darkness were also chaotic. Okay, chaos was reigning on the surface. And darkness, interestingly, is parallel with the Spirit of God. And this is obviously a contrasting parallel. In Hebrew poetry, there were similar parallels and opposite parallels. And this would suggest then that God is about to do something with the darkness, and he does. Continuing on with the next few verses. Then God said, There will be light, and then there was light. Then God saw that the light was good. Then God divided between the light and between the darkness. And then God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. Then there was evening, and then there was morning. Day one. Okay, let's pull this apart a bit. Again, notice this word-deed pattern for how light came to be. And this is what I want us to really think about, the power of God and how he does impossible things that are easy to him. First, God spoke a word that there would be light. And then there was light, just like that. God spoke light into being. Unlike the human myths, there was no struggle. He spoke, and it was. Bing, bang, it's done. God created by his word. And then after light existed, God saw it and declared it to be good. Good. This is also part of his creation pattern. Speak, do, good. Then we have darkness and night. So God named both light and darkness, calling them respectively day and night. And then day one, one day after saying all this, God said to Moses on Mount Sinai, 1500 BC, one day. Now this is in the creation context, okay? And in this context, it is not necessarily a 24-hour day. Now, I don't have time to go into it, but yesterday I was meditating on this, and Genesis 3 emphasizes it's not a 24-hour day. Then God said, there will be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and it will be causing separation, between waters to waters. So with this expanse or firmament in the King James Bible, again, God is beginning to bring order to the chaotic water. Now, here's a contrast with these myths, and let me just take you to two other portions of scripture, Um, one which was the call to worship on the back of your bulletins, okay? Job and Psalms give these insights. Job said, as his friends were attacking him, he meaning God has encircled the face of the waters with limits. He has calmed the sea with his power. And by his understanding, he smote the sea monster. And then the prophet Asaph, who wrote Psalm 74, wrote this. Thou didst divide the sea by thy strength, and thou shattered the heads of the dragons upon the waters, and thou crushed in pieces the head of the large serpents. Okay? So all these things the human myths talked about, which had a grain of truth to them, but which had this tremendous struggle, it was nothing to God. Scripture tells us he spoke, it happened. No sweat. It didn't take God down one bit. He speaks and it is. That's the way God works. Now let's hop over a bunch of days in Genesis and come down to verse 24. Basically, God spoke and created, breathing life on the land, culminating with people in his image. So, again, verse by verse then God said, The earth will bring forth living creatures to their kind, meaning each species is distinct, to their kind, animals and creeping things and beasts of the earth, to their kind, species, and then it was so. So he spoke about land creatures. He speaks about these living creatures being brought forth from the earth according to their kind. And this is important for all the evolutionists out there. One species never turns in to another species. That's not how God made things. And God made the living creatures of the earth to their kind, the animals to their kind, and everything creeping on the ground to its kind. Then God saw it was good. So he makes land creatures. Once again, God creates by his word, and then the deed follows the same way he did in creating light. But now he's making living creatures from the earth by his word. This is how land creatures came to be, and all creatures. God created by his word. And then just as the light was good, so is every living creature that God made good. And then God said, we will make Adam in our image according to our likeness. And they will rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the animals and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Then God created Adam... In his image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Now, let's look at a few important things here. And, you know, I I read all kinds of ink spilled on what it means to be the image of God. Simply and biblically, image means only one thing. An image is a representative of something, or usually someone. That means human beings were created to be God's representative, God is spirit, on his physical earth, his physical creation. To be in his image means we were to execute his will. As physical beings in his physical creation. That's what in the image of God means. Okay. And then they were to rule as stewards under God and dependent on him. Read Psalm 8. It beautifully describes that. Now notice, both men and women he created, male and female, them, are in the image of God created together by his word, God created by his word. And then God blessed them. Then God said to them, you all must be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, make it subservient, And you all must rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and every creeping thing rule over upon the earth. And now he blesses them. This blessing completes the three major parts of creation. God speaks it by his word. God does it. It's good. And he blesses it. He blessed the man and the woman. Now... Here's our challenge, people. As I've gotten this far into the creation story and all the way to the end of the things that God physically created and explained to you what it means to be in his image and what he expects of us. People, and and, and I'm guilty of this, okay? I don't do this. I live most days not even thinking wonderful thoughts of God. But we must be amazed and overwhelmed By the power and also the ease with which the true God created heaven and earth, bringing order out of chaos and then filling everything with life, including people created in his image, including us. All of this by his word to bless us. Let's be aware of that. Let's be aware of how awesome God is and all that he has done and that we are a part of it. Let's be grateful. Let's live as people to be blessed. And then God saw all which he had made and behold, very good. Then it was evening, then it was morning, day six. Notice the insertion of the extra adjective very, very With the creation of Adam or people, men and women in his image, God sees everything as very good. Now, we're talking about all of creation, and I couldn't help but think about Norma and the way she prayed. People, day six challenges, all of us, all of us, to rule over God's very good creation as respectful stewards because God declared it all to be very good, okay? Let us use it in an orderly way, in a way that is pleasing to God, not abusing it. Continuing on, then the heavens and the earth were finished, all the host of them, and when God had finished on the seventh day his work which he had done, then he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. So after six days, God had finished all his creation, the heaven and earth, and all the host of, meaning everything that he filled them with. Excuse me for ending in a preposition. With nothing more to do, God took a Sabbath rest on the seventh day, and then God blessed the seventh day. Then he made it holy, Because in it, he rested from all his work, which he had created, that which God had made. God blessed the seventh day when he rested from all his creation work, which he had finished. And he made it holy as he is holy from Leviticus. And now let us uh, turn to the introduction to the gospel of John, which complements this. In fact, everybody who knows the Bible knows that John 1 is parallel with Genesis 1. The word has been eternal with God and through him everything came into being and life was being in him the light of people. Okay, and there's two portions even to these short verses that we read. And this is the most heavy theological one. And this is where I learned something awesome to my little logical mind this week. In beginning, the word was already being God, and through him all things came into being. So let me read it to you, literally translating the Greek. In beginning was being the word. And the word was being with the God. God was being the word. Same was being in the beginning with the God. I realize this is beautiful poetry. Four lines. And what we have here is repetition with variety. We are given four beautiful clauses of equality, the verb of being equals, you can put an equal sign in there in a logical formula with four nouns, and they are complementary chiasms in different but intriguingly related formulas, and I won't go into it, I won't try to describe it without words and without a blackboard. But I will have posted on our website by the end of the week all of the logic of it if you want to go there and look at it. But now just listen to the words, and here they are. There's two main truths. The Word with the God. We're told in beginning, that is just before the moment of creation, the Word was with the God... Skip a few clauses. Same, meaning the word. In beginning, with God. So what does this say about the word? The word is God, equal. But the word is with God, meaning face-to-face with God. And we can't be face-to-face without being separate or distinct. Okay? And then let's emphasize it, the word is God, and God was being is, that is, the word. So, equal signs work both ways. In Greek, it says God is the word, okay? Now, don't let a cult fool you. The lack of the definite article only means this. God is much more than the word, but the word is God. So we put this all together and we have one of the key passages supporting the doctrine of the Trinity. The word is God. The father is God. The Holy Spirit is the God. It's not spelled out, but by leaving out the article to a Greek speaker, it's saying God is more than the word. Okay, if only the cults knew that. Hey, so, let's apply this. Uh, I pray that many of you will take the time this week to reread this passage as I have it in the sermon outline. And maybe some of you will dare to go to the website later and see the amazing, logical beauty of all this. But why So that we can comprehend and be in awe awe of the mystery of the word who is both God and separately with God. Jesus is both and. God is both and. And then we're told all things came to be through him and without him came into being not one thing. So all came to be by the word. In other words, the word created everything. This word who is fully God, that's who God created by. So knowing this, many years after Moses, we now know that the word that God spoke, he was working through the agency of Jesus Christ. God created by his word. And then the rest of the sentence just says the same thing in a negative way. In other words, everything came to be by the word. Now I want to get to the last point of all of this this morning. The life that was always in him, meaning the word, is the light of people shining in the darkness, but the darkness cannot take it the light to itself. So let me just read the word again. In him, life was being, and the life was being the light of the man-meaning people. The word being fully God. And all that God is is life, always, eternally, from beginning to end, yesterday, today and forever. Secondly, and the life of the word is the light. For all the people of the world. Now, the rest of the Gospel of John, which is the favorite of many people, describes how whoever believes all that John wrote about the Word, who is the Savior, may have eternal life in the light. This is just, again, the foundation for amazing truths to come. Okay, and then the last verse we have is the light is always in the darkness shining. And the darkness, if the light has not comprehended, shining in darkness. Think about Isaiah 9, Matthew 4. Jesus came to his people who were wor- walking, walking, living in darkness, To be light to them. We hear this every Christmas Eve. The word is light shining in darkness. And now we're told the darkness has not comprehended it. It has not ever been able to take the light into itself. And think about this. This is just common sense. You walk into a dark room. You flip on a light. Darkness disappears. Light will always overcome and obliterate darkness. It is just so logical, okay? And the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22, 5 in the Revised Standard Version, and night shall be no more. There's a time coming for the Lord God will be their light. So what do we do about this? It was in my prayer, we were talking about it before we went live and began worship. We must bring the word who is life, the light of people to people still in darkness. And we can do this because darkness can never comprehend and cannot seize the light or the people of light. We can't lose people, but we're in what is theologically called the now and the not yet. Yes, Jesus came a first time, but he hasn't come a second time to complete everything. So, darkness will still be here until Jesus comes. But Jesus came, and I'm going to give you three quick scriptures, so people do not have to stay in darkness, John 12. And he will shine on those living in darkness, Zechariah's prophecy at the birth of his son, John, who would point people to Jesus. And finally, because in him the darkness is passing, and the light is now shining, 1 John 2A, it's all true. So, after God created everything, the land and the seas were chaotic, but God spoke and brought order and distinction to land and sea. Then he spoke and made living creatures in the sea and sky and on land, and he finished by creating people in his image, He did this through his eternal word who is being him and is with him. In other words, the word Jesus is equal yet distinct from God. And the word is life and light to all people in the darkness in which he shines. And this is all because God created By his word.